we were both uh, happier in a way. Not that we weren't happy before uh, as as a monogamous couple, but it it really made our relationship better in a lot of ways. Uh, being able to spread the love, if you will, with other people. Welcome to Normalizing Non-Monogamy, the podcast where we interview incredible people from across the entire spectrum of non-monogamy to hear their funny, sexy, and fascinating stories as they take us on their journey. We always strive to bring guests on the show who have a healthy and positive approach to non-monogamy. However, everyone approaches it a little differently. And at its core, our show is about hearing, highlighting, and learning from the different experiences and approaches people have. With that in mind, it is important to remember that the views and opinions expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect those of our own. So sit back, relax, and just accept the fact that your time with us will be spent in an awkward turmoil of laughter and arousal. We should also let you know that this podcast will hopefully include some explicit language. If that kind of thing offends you, we suggest you keep listening until it no longer does. If you're under 18, you either need to stop listening or go get your parents and you can listen as a family. The choice is yours. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to episode 17. Today we have an exciting interview with our first solo person. A solid Uh, solo person? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Our first solo person. This happens to be an interview with a male that's practicing solo polyamory, which we learn a little bit more about. And it's a really fascinating interview. Yeah, we had a great time talking to him and he reached out to us via Twitter. So we wanted to thank him for that. Yes. Also, if you happen to follow us on Twitter, you heard us uh, bragging about an announcement that we wanted to make this week. Yeah, some exciting news. So in our very first episode, we talked about a company called STD Test Express and how we really like them and we use them for the last few years and it's an awesome service. Um, But and we, we mentioned, you know, that we had some links on our website, but there really wasn't a whole lot of incentive to drive you guys there other than it's typically cheaper than going anywhere else to get your test well, done. Well, it's a little more private, too, and they're, yeah. they're an awesome company. And it's easier. Um, so real quick, just to, to reiterate, if for anybody who didn't listen to that episode, basically with this website, you go on. You fill out a, you make a profile and you pick which tests you want done. Um, you basically print off this form and take it to like a lab core or a quest, any one of like the national labs in your mm-hmm. area. You can basically do a walk in. Um, you show up, they take some blood and then within like two or three business days, you get your results uploaded online to your website, uh, to their website and you have. Yeah, to your account. To your account. So it's, it's an awesome service. We, when we did it last time, I think we got our results in like 12 hours. It was yeah, like it the was next really day. Fast. It was super fast. And so. if some, if there's ever any need for a follow up with a doctor, they recommend all of that information to you and, and provide, yeah. uh, yeah, details of what you should do next. Yep. So anyway, long story short, uh, their VP of relation, what is it? VP of strategy and partnerships reached out to us uh, the other day and said that they wanted to offer us a $15 coupon for anybody who uses our link. And then they gave us a new website to use. Um, it's STD test express slash normalizing. Or again, you can go to our website and get all the links and everything, but. So they offered a $15 
coupon for anybody who does this through our link. And we asked them, um, hey, we get $20 if, uh, if people use our link. If we give up the $20, can we add it to the discount? And so we were trying to get you guys $35 off because we, I mean, yeah, the $20 is great, but we figured if we can drive more business their way, we really like their service and honestly just wanted to help support them and get you guys a better deal. Yep. So he came back and said, no, keep the $20, but we're going to give them 15% off. So now instead of $15, it's 15%, which on an average test panel is going to be probably 180 to maybe 215 $220, depending um, on your insurance and which test you pick. So that's going to get you pretty close to $30, $35 off. Um, that was also, I wanted to mention, they do take insurance. So if you have good insurance, it might even drive your costs lower yeah, than that. So. Sure. Anyway, we just wanted to make you guys aware that this is now something that there's a really awesome incentive for you guys to go and do this. At least give them a try. It's 15% off every time you do it until the end of the year. And, and who knows, maybe we can re-up then. Yeah, and, and that's just they're, they're really pushing hard on the marketing this year. So we wanted to say thank you to them for reaching out to us and thank you to you guys for giving them a try and supporting them. They're a fantastic company they've been awesome to work with yeah and we're, super easy and we're super excited about that and we're super excited to be sharing this with you guys so before we jump into the show i just wanted to mention that as finn said you can find us on our website at normalizingnonmonogamy.com the resources page there has links to the scd test express um, but you can also contact us via our website you can find us on twitter and on casty under the same screen name which is nnm podcast Yep. And I just really wanted, really quick wanted to say, we, we didn't tell you that long story to try and brag about it. It was, it <laughs> or, was, or really, convince you. Or, well, a little bit a to little convince bit you. <laughs> but it was really mostly to try to show like how supportive they have been of us and of the community. And they're a fantastic company. And just the, the negotiation on that was, was pretty awesome. We were never expecting that. So, yeah. So we're trying to convince you that they're a great company to yep. work with. That's all. <laughs> And it's a great service that we've used for a couple of years, and we love it. So, One other thing I realized, I misspoke earlier when I gave the website. It is www.stdtestexpress.com slash normalizing. And also, if you want, if you can't remember that, you can go to normalizingnonmonogamy.com slash test, and you'll find the same links. So now... On to your regular, regularly scheduled programming. <laughs> thank, thank you, CJ, for coming on the show and re- reaching out to us via Twitter. We uh, really appreciate it. Yeah, so, absolutely. I'm excited, too. So I guess we don't know anything about you. Do you mind just maybe sharing a little bit of background about who you are and what your relationship dynamic looks like right now? Just as a you know, high-level view. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so I'm uh, I'm almost 43. I'll be 43 this year, and I've been polyamorous for uh, almost three years. It'll be three years in September. Uh, so had no uh, no experience with non monogamy prior to that. I'm from Arizona, and I uh, I'm currently uh, my wife and I started the the poly journey together, but we're currently 
uh, in the process of divorcing uh, for several different reasons. None of it related to Polly specifically, but, uh, you know, uh, with with non-monogamy, that tends to bring out other areas and relationships that you need to work on, right? So, Sure, sure. Yeah, Yeah, sorry to hear that. Yeah, thank you. I guess we were curious, so how did you and your wife get started on the the journey down the poly path? Yeah, it's quite the story for sure. Uh, (laughs) We... Uh, So we both grew up in a very, very strong religious background, uh, Christian background, and, uh, you know, monogamy was all we knew. You know, it's uh, uh, beat into us from day one. Well, I shouldn't say it was beat into us, but, you know, we, you know, it it was very, very strongly (laughs) recommended that, you know, you get married to one person for the rest of your life and you never know anyone else in a sexual way and uh, you never deviate from that path. And if you do, it's because you get divorced and you marry someone else or what have you, but that's also discouraged. So, um, so yeah, there's never, there's never even an idea that, uh, there would be anything else than monogamy. So, uh, about, let's see, I think it was 2011, uh, we had a crisis of faith, which is a completely whole different story. And, uh, uh, we, we left the church altogether, left religion really altogether. And we started exploring what it means to be, uh, someone who has no religious underpinnings to hold their life together. Uh, we joined a group, uh, an online community of people who had also left religion behind. And uh, there were a few people in that group who were uh, either exploring polyamory uh, or various forms of non-monogamy, or uh, there were a, a couple of people in the group who, who were currently uh, non-monogamous. Okay. And had had triads or quads they were actively involved in. So that was kind of your first exposure to non-monogamy, correct? It was. Yeah, very okay. first. We we never we never heard anything about it prior to that at all. Didn't even know it existed. Okay. And so this was like a group that had kind of came together as sort of like a support group after leaving like the church? Is mm-hmm. that Okay. Yep, that's exactly right. And it's still active, and, and uh, you know, I'm still a part of it. I don't go on there very much. It's mostly active in the Facebook group, and uh, okay. I check it every now and again. But, yeah, I'm still part of the group, and okay. good community of people. I love them to death. And so you started being exposed to different dynamics as a couple, right? Like you, you and your mm-hmm. wife were started to be exposed to different relationship dynamics within the group. Exactly. Yeah, a lot of different relationship dynamics. Anywhere from, uh, you know, there were a lot of uh, a lot of LGBTQ folks in the group, and the discussions around non-monogamy specifically were good and bad. Some people were very much for it. Some people were very against it. Some in between. Okay. And uh, but yeah, it's definitely a, a much more open-minded culture than we were raised with, at least. Yeah. And how how did those early conversations between you and your wife go when you started seeing all this? Was it like were you guys shocked by it, or were you guys pretty open to it right out of the gate? We were shocked by it at first, but then as we started to think things over, we we came to realize more and more that monogamy really is a kind of a religious idea, if you will. It's very very grounded in 
in a culture that's heavily steeped in 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 religious culture you know so there's that subculture that really dictates a lot of the morality that we know right so uh so we started to explore what life would be like if if there was no uh religious moral backdrop sure Mm-hmm. And when you guys first started talking about it, was it in the context of finding other partners, romantic partners, or was it more of a sexual exploration? Uh, it was kind of both, to be honest. Um, we we talked about it in both aspects. We uh, after we after we left the church about a year before we uh, started uh, embrace non monogamy, we we talked about it for over a year prior to that. And then it was actually my wife who said, "Oh, hey, I think we should do this." I'm like, "Okay, cool. I'm, I'm totally fine with it." And it started with her being actually turned on by the idea of me with another woman. Okay. Okay. So there, there was definitely that overarching sexual aspect to it at first, but we explored both. Yeah, that's, that's interesting too because that's not typically the the origin story you hear. Is it's you know it's usually. Not not always, right? But it's a lot of times it's the man wanting to have a th- another woman, or maybe the man wanting to see his wife with another man. But it, you know, it's rare to 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 hear that a woman wants to see her husband with another man. So that's I, I find that really fascinating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty interesting. I was actually very surprised. Uh, you know, having known her for as long as I did, I was. I kind of had to pick my job off the floor, I'll be honest. <laughs> so how did those first few months go then when you decided to try it out? It was interesting. It was uh, very difficult at first, a uh, lot of growing pains uh, as far as we didn't really have jealousy per se, but there was definitely, uh, what's the acronym, FOMO, you know, fear of missing yeah. out. Yeah. Uh, so uh, when when we opened our relationship, uh, things happen for her right away. And that seems to pretty much be very common in sure. non-monogamy, especially with the online dating apps. Mostly ladies get all the action, especially with dick pics, and, and guys <laughs> get uh, crickets. <laughs> yeah. Which, I don't know, I might rather have crickets than dick pics. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I, I would. I would say so. I I would prefer that too. I'm as straight as they come, so mm-hmm. I'm not offended by a guy's dick pic. But you know, I I prefer crickets. Yeah, yeah. I, ma- I imagine a, lot, a fair amount of the women would probably prefer. Yeah, the crickets I would actually too. kind of agree with that. <laughs> but, yeah. So yeah, when you guys I, started, when you guys started doing this, were, were you mostly meeting other people from this online community, or did you start looking outside of that to different websites and apps? Yeah, it was definitely other websites and apps. Uh, the community that we were a part of was just strictly, you know, a support group for people who have left religion. Even though there was discussion about polyamory and different forms of non-monogamy in there, it uh, it was it's it was definitely not designed for meeting people and dating. Okay. Mm-hmm. And, and even though when you guys originally started talking about it, it was her wanting to see you with another woman, you said mm-hmm. the the first things that started to happen were for her. I guess what did, mm-hmm. how, how did that work out? You said there was a little bit of fear of missing out, right? So that was yeah. the challenge you had to deal with. 
Yeah, definitely was. Yeah, my experience with it was when she she got a couple boyfriends right away, and she was spending tons of time with them and away from me and the kids. You know, there was definitely that new relationship energy was just uh, exploding for her, right? Yeah. And and I guess with fear of missing out, there is a little bit of jealousy at the heart of that, right? Because you're, right. you want to experience what they're experiencing. And um, I felt like she wasn't paying as much attention to me as, you know, or, or that she was giving me enough opportunities to schedule nights that I might be able to date people and stuff like that. So uh, there was definitely the fear of missing out. And I guess there's a little bit of jealousy underneath that as well. Yeah, it sounds like it was a bit of a time imbalance, maybe. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was. Okay. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah, she she got one boyfriend right off the bat, and a couple of months later added another. And that was kind of how it was for the next few months after that. So, And were you guys ever able to sort of equalize or find an equilibrium? Uh, not totally. Uh, not totally. I did eventually meet someone that we clicked right off the bat and I we went on we went on several dates and we did become sexual. We were together for a couple of months, but it was it was still very hard to schedule things with her because um, the kids were younger and there wasn't a lot of communication on that aspect from my wife as far as oh by the way I'd like to schedule this. Uh, she just kind of already had stuff planned on her schedule and Uh, So that caused some pain points because, you know, I wanted to spend time with the girl I was seeing and there wasn't really any time allotted for that. So yeah, during this time, did you guys, I guess, did you make special nights at all for you guys, for your relationship? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we did. Uh, We we tried our best to at least schedule something once a month uh, or once every other week to try and, uh, you know, work work on our relationship and talk about how things were going and discuss what we could do better and what we'd like to see change. So yeah, there, uh, there were times for that or, or just to have fun together without having to do talking business per se, you know? Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Uh, it sounds like there was obviously some, some hurdles and hiccups early on as you guys worked through those, were you guys able to find, you know, that there were some benefits that you were seeing to your relationship and that, you started to find a, a place where you were both sort of having your needs met within the poly space. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. It it eventually evened out. We really grew a lot in our communication. Okay. Uh, we we saw huge strides in our communication. We were both uh, happier in a way. Not that we weren't happy before uh, as as a monogamous couple, but it. It really made our relationship better in a lot of ways, uh, being able to spread the love, if you will, with other people. Sure. Right. Like almost mm-hmm. made the time you spent together almost more special in a way or more because you're, you're, you're spending a little more time apart, it sounds like. Yeah, it definitely did. So once you guys sort of hit that, that equilibrium point or that kind of got into the rhythm of things did you guys have a a pretty good period of you know you finding other women and her finding other men and or was there ever a point 
where you guys were dating other couples or was, I guess, how did it sort of look after you guys sort of found your groove? Yeah, after we found our groove, um, we were, we never really dated couples together. We always dated separately. After, after two months of dating the one woman, we, we eventually parted ways. Uh, over over some other stuff that was going on in both of our relationships, just uh, time constraints on my side, and uh, things were going on in in one of her relationships. So we ended up parting ways, and we are still friends, uh, by the way. I started seeing another woman just on a casual basis. A little bit of a, of a background on me, even though I gravitate more closely to polyamory. I'm kind of more of a relationship anarchist, so I don't put I don't like to really put labels on 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 what my relationships are. I'm open to more of a casual friends with benefits kind of thing as long as it's somebody that I have a really deep connection with and it's a close friendship. Uh, I've got friends that I'm attracted to, but we're just platonic and then other people that I'm uh, uh, more fully romantic and and maybe even sexual with. So I I try not to put limits or definitions, at least not too hard a definition on relationships. Okay. Yeah. For for me, I started seeing a, a woman that I met on OkCupid just on a more friends with benefits situation, and then a few months ago, she she met a guy that she decided she wanted to be monogamous with again. So we ended our sexual relationship, but we're still friends. Uh, and since then, I haven't really. Uh, had too much success in the way of meeting other women, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, I, I am currently uh, I have I have been on four dates with a woman that that I connected with in one of the Facebook groups in our area, okay. and uh, so uh, that's been good, and I have very high hopes that 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 will turn into a long term relationship. So oh, that's yeah. that's really exciting. Yeah, yeah. I was, was going to ask, are you planning to? I guess continue to be poly moving forward. Is that is does that find what you, is that what you find works for you? Yeah, absolutely. I'm uh, I'm planning on being solo poly from this point on, uh, not really having a primary relationship per se. Even though I'm very open minded for what the future looks like, I'm not opposed to having a primary live in partner again at some point. But for me right now, I feel like just being a single person and dating multiple people works best for me in my situation. But I definitely will never go back to monogamy. It, it just isn't uh, – it's not who I am. Yeah. Sure. And yeah. If, if you don't mind us asking, is your wife still still pursuing the, the polyamory side of things or has she decided that maybe – monogamy was more suited for her yeah for her uh the the man that she's currently dating he's been in the poly world before as well but they've decided to be monogamous together okay Okay. yeah so that's been kind of interesting it (laughs) it really has yeah i don't quite know how to describe it (laughs) i'm sure there's a lot of conversations that have been had throughout this whole process for you guys yeah, yeah, there has been. Yeah, I, I was very surprised that she decided to go back to monogamy, but it, it it's recently come to my attention that her reasons for becoming polyamorous and, and going the route of non-monogamy were maybe not quite what, what she had initially said they were. Okay. 
So there's some, I guess, dishonesty there in, in a sense of uh, of her original desires for uh, for going this direction. So yeah, and she may yeah. she may have also been trying to figure them out too, right? Yeah, absolutely, and I'm sure that was part of it. I don't believe for a second that her reasons were totally disingenuous. Um, I think I think she definitely wanted it to a point, and uh, just took some time to discover more about herself and what she wanted. Yeah. Sure. Have you guys still felt being able to go through some of the conversations that, you know, led into Polly and through the couple of years that you guys were Polly together have made being able to talk about things through this stage of it easier or has it complicated it even more, do you think? Uh, It's definitely been easier to talk about things. Things. Yeah, we're very, uh, we're still very open with our communication and uh, discussing logistics, especially if I want to go on a date with somebody or things like that, or times that she's going to see her boyfriend. Okay. Uh, so yeah, our, our communication skills are definitely staying pretty good for the most part. Yeah. So even though you guys are separating, it sounds like, are you planning to continue to live together and it sounds like potentially raising a family together. Well, we are we're currently living together. She is planning on moving out and getting her own place and uh her boyfriend is eventually talking uh with they're they're talking together about moving in together. So, uh for right now she's going to move out and get her own place cuz she she definitely wants to be apart from me, but we are fully committed to co-parenting the kids together. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really fascinating. And, and I mean, that says a lot for you guys that you're able to go through something like that and continue to live together and still coordinate dates and other types of relationship things while balancing a family. I mean, that's that's not an easy thing to do. So no. I, I give you a lot of credit for that. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's been interesting. Uh, even with the divorce, we didn't go through the courts well, we had to for the legal documents and everything, but uh, we went to a mediator who's also a lawyer and just sat down across the table from each other and hashed everything out. It took about three or four hours and signed all our documents together and filed. And it was cheaper that way, uh, better for everyone involved, especially the kids. We didn't have to drag them through a long, drawn-out court battle. Yeah, and we we went into it knowing that if this is what we're going to do, you know, it's it's best to do it in a way that benefits the kids. And uh, you know, I from the get go, it was her decision to divorce me, and I said, you know, if if you're not happy with me, I I want you to be happy, and let's make this as painless as possible. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's that's not an easy thing to do, but it, you know, it sounds like all things considered, you guys have been so far able to to move through it with some some amount of grace yeah (laughs) yeah definitely are you guys out to any of your were you did you guys come out to any of your friends and family when you started going through the the transition to non-monogamy and has that been able to maybe provide some type of support system for you too uh yeah, definitely. What's really cool is we uh, a lot of our friends are from the poly community now that we've uh since we've been non-monogamous for uh over 2 years now we've developed a lot of 
close friendships in the community, but some of our existing friendships from before do know about our relationship status. Not all do, but some do, and they've been largely supportive. We've gotten a couple of people who just are absolutely disgusted by it, uh, think that we've... uh, destroyed everything that's holy and righteous and we're going to hell but (laughs) disgusted by poly itself or an opening relationship or by the fact that you guys are separating or or all of it uh all of it really but mostly the non-monogamy and having an open relationship uh yeah that that's mostly most of our friends that we have told are cool with it Right, uh, but there have been a few that are like, you know, that's just gross. It sounds like some <laughs> some of those may have been residual friends from back when you guys were going to the church more often. Is that true, or or were these just normal? I don't know. I'm saying normal non-church friends, but, <laughs> <laughs> but but I guess friends that were outside of the church to begin with. Yes, most definitely. Yeah, uh, those are definitely the ones that that have had that reaction. Okay, looking back on this, is there any advice that, like, from today, looking back to three or four years ago when you guys started down this route? Maybe advice that you would give yourself or to anyone else that's newly getting into this now that you've got some experience under your belt. Maybe some advice that you would give. Yeah, absolutely. Communication is huge. Uh, I I can't state it enough. And we hear that over and over, you know, on podcasts and books and stuff like that. It can never be stated enough. Communication is huge. And being fully and completely honest during your times of communication that will make or break the situation. Okay. Yeah. Did you guys have any strategies or ways that you approach the communication to help make it a little easier? Cause I know sometimes early on, it's, it's obviously not something we're programmed to do. Did you guys find any ways that made it easier for you? Yeah, we, we kind of set some ground rules where we just gave, gave the floor to each other uh, to say fully and completely what was on our minds uh, without interruption. So talking about what's going well, what's really stressing you out, what's frustrating you about having the open relationship, anything you would like to see happen different. And we just kind of gave the podium, so to speak, to that person and just wait and listen. Mm -hmm. Uh, It didn't always work uh, just perfectly like that, but for the most part, it worked really well. Sure. Right. And, yeah. and listening to those sometimes hard conversations. Yeah. Yeah. Listening to the hard conversations is, is crucial because even though you want to, if even though you want to pipe up and say, no, 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 wait, it's better to just listen and hear it out and, and take it in. Even amongst all the jargon and everything, there's always some morsels to, from every conversation. Yeah. yeah. Uh, no, absolutely. There's always there's always stuff you just need to hear. Right. Right. Yeah, so that's uh that's one piece of advice I would definitely say. And also to do a lot of deep soul searching and make sure that your reasons for becoming non-monogamous are very very clear. Make 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 sure that you are really doing it for the right reasons. Right. Um, because uh if if there's any ulterior motives for becoming non-monogamous, it will eventually 
come to light and it may not be pretty. I guess ultimately, yeah. just out of curiosity, it sounds like you, you had said earlier that you know non-monogamy wasn't necessarily the reason that you guys wound up getting a divorce. Mm-hmm. Looking back on it, do you do you regret opening up your marriage or or are you ultimately happy that you went down this path because now you feel like you've sort of found the relationship model that you had ultimately that ultimately fits you better? Yeah, that that's an awesome question. And yeah, looking back, I don't regret it at all. Neither one of us do either. Uh, We've we both said that. Uh, we've definitely found what suits us best. And for me, looking back even over my life, I feel like I've always kind of been non-monogamous in a way. Growing up, I would say probably 70 to 80% of my friends were all girls. You know, I was always very, uh, very friendly and, and, and open with women. I've always felt more comfortable having relationships with women. I tend to be a little bit more on the emotional side as a guy. And so I tended to gravitate to women a lot more because, you know, they're, they're, they, they listen a lot and, and they're uh, very, very compassionate and understanding. Not yeah. that guys aren't. Uh, I do have a lot of guy friends as well, but they tend to be more of the, uh, emotional type of guys as well who who just kind of relate more on that level and even throughout our marriage i was always attracted to other women and i was always embarrassed about it kind of felt guilty about it you know but it just there was just something in me that couldn't that that couldn't pull myself away from being attracted to other women Uh, it wasn't anything about my wife i i was fully attracted to her loved her deeply i still do you know and and it wasn't just sexual the ways i was attracted to these other women i i was just uh, attracted to them as, as whole people uh i i just you know found found myself attracted to other women and always felt guilty about it and now looking back i kind of realized you know what i've kind of always been this way right yeah. right yeah i'm sure some of those feelings were were somewhat confusing throughout your marriage because you don't you're so you're taught that you need to be monogamous and that's the Mm -hmm. way you were doing it but you aren't even allowed to have those conversations you know like you said you felt guilty and you didn't even I would assume want to bring it up because it's just not supposed to be part of your relationship or conversation with your wife yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there there was a time in, in our marriage early on where if I had said anything about those feelings even remotely, it would have it would have destroyed us, I think. Yeah, yeah. So I know you mentioned you guys when you started into non-monogamy, you jumped into dating separately. Um, did mm-hmm. you ever consider going down more the swinging route and just Um, playing sexually with other people together or I guess, or separate? Well, it's interesting. Uh, We, uh, before we went into non-monogamy and and even about a year into our non-monogamous journey, we didn't really even know much about, uh, about other forms of non-monogamy like swinging or things like that. So we never even thought about it. It never crossed our minds. Uh-huh. Uh, and and now now that we know more about it, uh, definitely very supportive of people who are into swinging. But it's not really 
well, I, I guess at least for me, it's not really my thing. You know, I develop emotions too easily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. At least that's what you said. Yeah. yeah, you yeah. I do. And, and so for me, for me to just have a sexual relationship with somebody and, and have that be it, uh, just doesn't work for me. And I, and I think that may be partly why I have a harder time finding people to date. It's, uh, you know, I, I told the, the woman that I had been seeing the other day, you know, I, I said, if I just wanted somebody to fuck, I could probably find that. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but I want more of that emotional connection. I develop those feelings too easily. So, yeah. Uh, so swinging probably wouldn't work for me. And there are forms of swinging, I think, where it's a little bit different than the typical, oh, you go to this club or this party and you just fuck other people and and then you go home. I, I think there's different forms of it, but I'm really not too familiar with the swinging lifestyle to comment on it. So I'm definitely supportive of it. I, if somebody's into swinging, that's totally cool with me. It's just not really my thing. Right. Yeah. No. Yeah. And I think it's, you know, everybody sort of has a little bit different spin on it. You know, we like to meet more people that we can be friends with. And there's people who mm-hmm. prefer purely anonymous, show up to the club and meet somebody that night, have sex with them and never see them again. I mean, it's sort of everybody finds what mm-hmm. works for them and more power to them. Right. So. Yeah. Right. Right. Absolutely. And and I'm open minded about it. I mean, I'd, I'd be open to maybe attending something like that. Uh, it's interesting, though. One of my friends in the community, he was telling me that for single guys, it's like $100 for one of those parties or something like that. They they yeah. really, like, charge single guys, which is understandable, you know, because yeah. the single guys tend to – or at least the stereotype is that single guys are more of the stalker types at those parties. I don't yeah, know. I, th- so. I think it's even even less – so that is just that there would what I think the the thing that they're trying to cut down on is having a hundred guys for every three women yeah. kind of dynamic. Yeah. And so typically what you see is, you know, maybe a couple, it's fifty dollars, uh single women are free and men are a hundred or a hundred and fifty. So they like double or triple the price of a couple for a single male. And it mm-hmm. and I think it's it's not necessarily that you know, it's the men are creepy. It's just they want to make sure that the if you want to be there, that you really want to be there, or you just want to cut down on the the, the sheer number of men showing up. And I don't know. It's a it's a raging debate. I think within the community <laughs> itself on whether yeah. or not that's fair or right. And because I think it also comes down to having, unfortunately, in our society women don't always feel safe and. I think that's that's a big thing, too, is, you know, women need to feel safe in those situations and having, um, you know, a better balance or a balance of women, guys and girls at a at a party is um, important. Absolutely. And I I totally agree with that aspect of it. And it's really important for everyone, especially women, to feel safe. And I do know, at least from what I've been told of the. Uh, swinger community. Uh, the swinger community has not always been really strict on consent, at least from what I've been told, and I could be totally wrong on that. So, uh, so consents become uh, much more much more public recently, and I think rightfully so, and it should be because consent is absolutely crucial. Right. right. 
Yeah, I think we've had, you know, ever since we've been doing it, it's been heavily, heavily emphasized that, you know, if you don't ask for consent, you, you might, you might get your ass chewed out. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah. Yeah. You're not, you're not really welcome in those, you know, communities and and areas that if people doesn't respect your, don't respect your um, boundaries, then yeah, you're not, you're not welcome. But that's been our experience. Thankfully we've, we've only had good experiences mostly with consent for the most part. So yeah, that's good. I had a I had a question. Um, yeah. One of the things that comes up fairly often in the swinging side of things is the topic of safety and safe sex and you know STIs and the communication around that. Mm-hmm. How do you handle that on the on the poly side of things, at least for yourself and you know for the partners that you're in within your community? Absolutely. Yeah. It's. Uh, uh, you know, using protection is absolutely crucial. Uh, STI testing on a regular basis. I go about every six months. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's it, it's uh, been a little longer for me uh, than that since my last one, just because I haven't had any sexual partners recently since the, my last test. But I try to go about every six months. I don't usually ask my partners to to prove it, you know, show me the paperwork. If they say they got tested, uh, unless I have some specific reason that I shouldn't trust them, sure. I take their word for it. And, yeah. and if I don't if I don't trust them, I probably shouldn't be dating them anyway, right? Yeah, um, exactly. But you know, the, uh, there's other people that that ask for the paperwork, and I respect that too. You know, right. you can never be too careful, especially as prevalent as STIs are. Yeah. Um, Is it and, a pretty common conversation that you're seeing within the community on the poly side? I mean, our exposure to the poly community is fairly limited, so we're just kind of curious. Is it something that's a pretty common conversation and it's not really stigmatized to, to bring it up and ask? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got a different way of going about it in their conversations and things like that. Some people talk about it on the very first date. Some people wait until they've gotten to know someone and they think they're going to be a long-term or at least a, you know, a longer, a longer short-term partner or whatever. And they'll say, yeah, you know, Hey, we should talk about protection and stuff like that but yes absolutely it's a deal breaker it's a hard deal breaker right yeah 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 no thanks thanks for the insight because again we're we're fairly limited on our exposure and to the poly side and that's something we're trying you know by doing this podcast hoping to hear from more people on that Mm -hmm. side of things so it's it's always good to hear your experiences and and what you've seen in your community so thank you for that yeah Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Glad to, glad to help out. Yeah, absolutely. So I guess to wrap things up here, do you have a resource that you, or a resource or two that you found particularly useful to you as you've been exploring polyamory? One, one book that I recently, I I started the physical book and I, I just couldn't get into it. So I got the audio book instead was this book called Sex at Dawn. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, and a really, really good book, but it, it's one of those books that you just kind of have to kind of chew through it uh, at a very slow pace. <laughs> uh-huh. like so much information. Really inform- yeah, exactly. Yeah. A lot of detailed information. So that, uh, the book More Than Two, I've been meaning to read The Ethical Slut, but I haven't yet. 
and then uh, I, I listened to a lot of podcasts. I, for the longest time, I only knew uh, Polly Weekly, okay. uh, Polly Emery Weekly. So I listened to that on a pretty regular basis, and then I discovered Multi Amory yeah. uh, podcast, and then I discovered uh, I was just searching podcast for uh, polyamory and monogamy on iTunes, and I ran across uh, Monogamy Disrupted with Malik and Nadia. Yeah, and then as I fo- started following them on Twitter, I ran across you guys. So. <laughs> Well, we, so it we was kind of that, that chain reaction. Yeah. <laughs> you do. Yeah. Yeah, no, they're, yeah, they're fantastic. So They are. Yeah, I, I love their podcast. So, and I've been really impressed with all the poly podcasts that I've listened to, uh, all four of those that I mentioned, which include yours. And, you know, it was kind of funny. And, sorry, this is going to be going to be a side note. No, uh-huh. But uh, one of the other episodes I listened to where – uh, where Phoenix and Beast were talking about going to Dragon Con to meet people. Yeah. That that would totally be me right there. I would totally be the geek at Dragon Con, <laughs> wondering, looking around the room and thinking to myself, oh, I wonder who's Polly here. You know, it, it, that that would totally be me. So when, when Phoenix said that, I about died. I was laughing so hard. Well, she'll that she'll be, be happy me. to hear that, that there are people having sex at, at Dragon Con. Yeah, exactly. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, because I'm, awesome. I'm a big fantasy geek and, and stuff like that, as you know. So uh, that would be me right there. Yeah, I haven't been to Dragon Con, but now maybe I better go, right? right. <laughs> yeah, you might want to book it for this year. Oh, that's awesome. Well, we'll, yeah. we'll put links to all those podcasts and, and books in the in the show notes for anybody who wants to follow up on them. And I guess we wanted to say thank you for coming on the show and reaching out to us and having a, having a pretty raw conversation with us. It's yeah. Thank you for sharing you know a lot of personal details with us. Hey, you're welcome. I'm, I'm so glad to talk with you guys. I'm pretty excited. This is kind of my first, uh, it's not a coming out necessarily because it's not a real public podcast, but you know, it's kind of my chance to, kind of be a little bit public about it it's it's kind of fun i've enjoyed it yeah you guys are great (laughs) oh i appreciate it well maybe this is the start of your circuit this is going to be your big the big break for you (laughs) right yeah there you go yeah so yeah today today normalizing non-monogamy tomorrow the world right yeah maybe you'll be on the ellen show or uh i guess oprah's not around anymore so probably not oprah but (laughs) right so (laughs) Well, thank you again for coming on, CJ. We really appreciate the time and, and the honesty. It was it was a great conversation, so thank you. Yeah, you're most welcome. Finn, Emma, you guys have been awesome. All right, Namaste. Appreciate it. All right, I have a great Bye. evening. Hi again. Thanks to CJ for the amazing interview and for really opening up and sharing some of his, um, you know, kind of his story and a vulnerable part of his life. We really enjoy talking to him and hearing what he had to say. Yeah, absolutely. And we wish him the best of luck and and the best of luck to his wife. And thank you again, CJ, for reaching out. And we just wanted to encourage anybody else who might be interested in sharing their story to reach out to us. Uh, next, which, which you can do at our website at normalizingnonmonogamy.com. Or Twitter. Or you can call Emma at... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Don't uh, give out my phone number. <laughs> the other thing we wanted to just real quick mention, um, next week we've got an interview with 
The bed hoppers. The bed hoppers. And we can't do English accent. Nope, I can barely do an American accent. <laughs> so we will see everybody in a one a week. Bye.